This is Blockbuster Film School Office Hours. Blockbuster Film School Office Hours. It's Blockbuster Film School Office Hours. Office Hours. Office Hours. Hello! Hey! Hi, Nick. How's it going? Hey, Alex. How are you? I'm living the dream, pal. Welcome, everybody. Welcome all of our friends listening at home or at work or on a battleship, wherever you're listening to this show. It's pterodactyl wings. Yeah, we're flying in the sky. Welcome to the Blockbuster Film School. Anywhere is a good place and a good time to listen to our amazing show. I'm Alex Bonner, joined as always by, you just heard his lovely voice, Mr. Nicholas Souter. I ate a lot of glass today. (laughs) I see. Should I be worried? I think you're fine as a doctor. I think you can eat what? Listen, one pound of. Glass? I understand you got your PhD from Arizona University, but <laughs> if they cats. don't if they don't make you take a medical class, yeah. you're not a doctor. Listen, you just show up for four years at University of Arizona online right? anytime, and they just give you a degree. They're like, your last semester was all on your phone. <laughs> Eat that, <laughs> people who went to University of Arizona. We will stop bashing on schools. Maybe we're doing an office hours. We're joined as always by Super Bruce Brian Taps. Oh yeah. Um, that was a crowd, everybody. We are gonna <laughs> we're gonna do a little office hours for you. We've done one before like this, and we like doing it. It's me and Nick's Oscar reboot, where me and Nicholas Souter talk about some of the best pictures of a certain year, best picture nominees. Is that what's going on? That is what is currently. I have happening. all these notes <laughs> about coneheads. Well, you. Better. I have a hundred and thirty nine. Fucking index cards. You and Ackroyd, you have like a board of like with strings tied together of why it didn't work. Your conspiracy. Oh, he thinks it works. <laughs> What's the song? Fucking uh, soft cell. Soft cell. <laughs> ah, ah. Oh god! And then they go to their planet, and it's just the dumbest shit you've ever seen. Yeah, I remember being a child and liking it. Peak me liking any movie just because I got to see one. Yeah, and thinking to myself. What the fuck is this? <laughs> I remember being a child and going to the library on Archer and Colon, <laughs> and we were doing that thing where it's like, you don't have any friends. Why don't you read a bunch of books this summer? Yeah. And then you and those other nerds can have a pizza party <laughs> together in the library Ooh. because that's where you feel safe. And we're like, oh, my God. But they had the Coneheads uh, novelization, parties. which oh included God. a bunch of pictures because it wasn't a real novelization. Did Ackroyd write it? Dude, they had like four assholes. <laughs> I remember being like a fucking little kid. I'm like, I don't want to see Dan Aykroyd's four assholes. Why am I doing this? Give me my Bunko Crichton book where they eat the dead. Aykroyd just kept screaming, it needs a ghost blowjob scene. And they're like, yeah, this is all you ever come up with. It needs a ghost blowjob scene. And then Drew Carey was like, fine, I'll do it. Fine, I'll do it. I don't care. I need a paycheck. Also, Conan O'Brien tells a funny story about because he was in Coneheads the movie and he did it. They asked him to just do a little walk-on for Coneheads. And he's like, yeah, a walk-on. Sure, I'll just pop up and it'll be fun. I'll shoot for like, you know, half a day and it'll be nothing. He shows up. They put him in like eight hours of the stupid-ass Conehead makeup. And then he has to wait. And then he's sitting there and he's waiting there for like 12 hours. And then he comes in to say one line, which they cut. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about Coneheads. It did not get nominated for Best Picture. We're going to go into the best pictures for the year 1995. The Oscars that year took place in 1996, if you get confused. But the Oscar nominees are as follows. Four Weddings and a Funeral, Quiz Show, The Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, and the winner 
a movie that is very polarizing to many people, a movie about a feeble-minded Southern man saving America. It is called Forrest Gump. So we're going to talk about whether me and Nick agree that Forrest Gump should have No! <laughs> Nick hates people without legs. He's very upset. You can't run. You don't get none. <laughs> we're sorry to all of our handy, capable people who listen to the show. But Nick has a hard stance. Only if their last name is Sinise. All right, so we're going to go into it. Nick, just jumping off the bat, why don't we just go into each movie and see what you think? Okay. okay. I'd like to get your take on these, okay? Yeah. Are we doing rapid fire or are we going back and forth? I think I'm just going to bring up each one in turn. Okay. Kind of just, you know, get some takes, maybe talk about it a little bit. And then at the end, me and you will decide who we think of those four or five. I know how to count. Are our opinion for best picture that year who we would have voted for if we were in the Academy. So four weddings and a funeral, a movie directed by Mike Newell who directed uh, some other goofy ass movies. <laughs> He's British, which big, shall not be named now. Big surprise, big surprise. You know, like he directed a movie called enchanted April. He directed the man in the iron mask, the seventies version. He directed Donnie Brasco, which we like. What? Yes. Mike Newell has some movies. He directed Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, <laughs> Great Expectations, the 2012 version with Ethan Hawke and Gwyneth Paltrow, which I like. Or that's not the 2012 one. That's no, Ethan Ray like Fiennes and Helen Bonham Carter. Yeah. It's the 90s one where it's like set in Florida. Yeah, where all the reruns were done by David Mamet refused to have his name on it. Interesting. I actually yeah. thought that movie was kind of cool. All right. I like that one a lot. Yeah. I like a lot of good at Chris Carter and Daniela. Well, let's just talk about Great Expectations. <laughs> What is Paltrow such an ice queen? You live her alone. <laughs> I will live her alone. Nick, what's your take on Four Weddings and a Funeral? It's charming, but it's inconsequential. Mm, interesting. Like, a normal rom-com is fast food. Four Weddings and a Funeral is like really good diner food. Yes, I agree. But if they mess up your order, it doesn't fucking matter. Yes. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah, like... I like that movie. I really do. Yeah. But never in my mind to go, you know what? Four Weddings and a Funeral. It's a Best Picture nominee. I know. It's very charming. It's very delightful. But I do like that it genuinely sticks with its title in this concept where the whole idea, if you've never seen it, is that Hugh Grant at peak 90s, adorable Hugh Grant. I'm so, tell me, sir, I would like to have the sex with you. He... Meets an American named Andy McDowell, who, for some reason in the 90s, everyone thought could act because of her adorableness. It was blinding. She had good hair. It was hard to look at her. She was so adorable. She was the Maybelline one. Yeah. But. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe she's Andy McDowell. I like her, I like her skin. And she feasts in the fucking. She has good skin. Blood of the young. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But he meets her at a wedding. And, uh. They kind of have a moment where they think things are going good, you know, and. But and then, then she, she pulls out a bag of stem cells. She's just saying, <laughs> young forever. <laughs> She's like, I am super into BDSM. And she pulls out a leather mask and puts it on him, which. Hugh Grant's. I'm actually writing a better movie in my head. Safety word is marmalade. <laughs> this makes sense. This checks out. But then she goes back to America and he's sad. He needs draw Dapadu and he needs a green card. <laughs> But they keep having other weddings where they run into each other. And then finally, you may have guessed, at a funeral, 
They get together and they bang. That's right. That's the movie. But it cost three million pounds, which at the time was about four million dollars to make. And it's box office. Any guess? Uh, what year was it? So actually, I was wrong. We're doing. So these were the movies that came out in 1994. This is for Oscars 1995. Yes. I apologize to the This nerds. is why I brought it up because I... It is confusing. It's genuinely confusing. But the movies that came out in 1994 and the Oscars... Ceremony. Three million pounds. I'm going to say $136 million. Worldwide box office, $257 million hairs. It went bananas. Hugh Grant went from being just kind of a fun, quirky, handsome British actor to being... A A-list fucking movie star overnight. Yeah, like a few years later, he played the prime minister. Yeah, I mean, he's Hugh Grant. I'm surprised yeah. he hasn't been knighted yet. I mean, I'm going to say this. Mm. Unless I'm terribly depressed, mm. I could watch a Battle Boy oh, any day of the fucking week. Battle Boy's great. A Battle Boy's amazing. Yes. Hugh Grant's a great actor. I want to yes. put this out there. He doesn't have a wide range, but what he could do, he could do it really fucking well. I will toss this out there. Hot take. I like him as the cannibal leader in the future in Cloud Atlas, where he- Never put, seen it. It's wild style. He basically plays, what's the bad guy in Fury Road? Oh, wow. The, I'm wasted. Brian, make sure to edit this. Make, uh, Leave it in! <laughs> Immort- Emporium Joe. Immortan Joe, Immortan yes. Joe. But he basically plays kind of an Immortan Joe sort of character, and I actually thought he was- Amazing. I, Real fast. Yeah. I'm wasted. Keep going. That's fair. That makes sense. So that's Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. A, yes. A fun movie of handsome people who are sad and British and one American and Rowan Atkinson is there. The second one on our list is a movie called Quiz Show, directed by Robert Redford. It uh, goes about the story of Herbie Stemple, John Turturro, who becomes an unlikely hero after winning on America's beloved game show 21. And then the network decides to bring in a more telegenic contestant, the sort of waspy Ray Fines, and they find out that they're cheating. And it's a very strange, very tense movie for being about a game show. Yes. What do you think about Quiz Show, Nick? I love Robert Redford. Agreed. I do. Genuinely. And he's got a great sense of humor. But Mm. I don't give a fuck about this movie at all. (laughs) I seriously don't. Uh, the moments when they're like playing the actual quiz show yeah. and it's super tense. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Everything else is a waste of fucking time. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I like, Hot he tics. made that movie where he's like on the boat lost at sea or whatever. The old man in the sea or the old man in the Basically whatever. His old man in the sea. Yes. Yeah. Like that is so fucking good. And he's made so many other good movies. I'd rather watch sneakers than this because sneakers is more watchable than this. This movie is extremely well made, mm. but I don't care. I also it's a quiz show from the fifties. They cheat. They fucking cheat. Yeah, I know. I remember watching it and thinking that it was really well made, and it was very uh, the acting's very good and the writing's very good. But I kind of agree with the element. At the end of the day, I was like, I don't. Why do I care? Yeah, what, like, who, who gives a shit? So they cheated at a television show. All of it's ooh, kind of a work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like some dude who was former CIA went and talked to. My sister in journalism class, football can rig a game any way it wants because it's a private institution. Baseball, right. basketball, hockey, uh, that other shit that's sports. All those fuckers, they can do whatever they want. 
You can do the same thing with a game show. It's you can not especially re- do it with a game show because yeah, there's less moving parts. There's not like coaches t- being like, if you cheat, I'll kill exactly. you. Exactly. Like, it's TV. It's all yeah. fake. Yes. Agreed. Like, you're going to go on, you're going to make an entire movie about how TV is fake. Yeah. And I guess Robert Redford was very concerned about that. I get what he's saying a little bit where there's this moment. He felt there was a moment of like innocence when television happened. And then this was kind of a breaking point where people believed the things that the television told them. And then all of a sudden you realize that it was all just kind of bullshit and made up, Yeah. which I mean, here's the whole now, thing. Though. Now we're jaded and we live now and we know that that is happening, Yeah. but, but it's, here's the real story. Hmm. Ralph Fiennes was secretly married to Paul Newman Ooh. and Robert, Robert Refford never got over it. It's hot. They never actually, Intimate. they were never intimate. No, they just, they just like held hands. Yeah. And just pissed him off. There was a lot of like, let's make lemonade. <laughs> as you do. Yeah. So I kind of agree. Quiz show also not as big a hit. Also quiz show was a big critical darling. People loved the shit out of it. It was distributed by Buena Vista pictures. RIP Disney, Disney and Disney when they had some fucking balls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. When they'd actually make a movie. Yeah. It had a $31 million budget. Its box office was only $30 million, so it didn't really do so great, but yeah. it was so loved. This is the interesting thing with Oscar movies, where I feel like Four Weddings and a Funeral kind of got boosted into Best Picture because it was this breakout hit. And technically, because it's British, it's a foreign film. And you also cannot have an Oscars where you don't nominate a British movie. Exactly. They will cut off one of your fingers if you don't. They'll do come that. and take the land back. Yeah. <laughs> They'll try. Yeah. They'll fail like they always do. We, um, we want this. Yes. You want Connecticut? Take it. No Take one gives it. a fuck. No one gives a shit. Eat that Connecticut. So an interesting dichotomy of the two. It's like a movie that's instantly rewatchable and a movie where it's like, oh no, are we going to watch this again? We're going to watch this again? Okay. Like I, it's cool. I would maybe check it out. I'm sure there's probably some quiz show people who are like, quiz show's a masterpiece. And I just, I don't know. I feel like it's IMDb rating of like seven out of 10 is kind of right. Kind of. Yeah. Three out of four stars. Yeah, technically it's great because, yeah. like, you care about, like, the production and the music and the cinematography and the direction. But when it comes down to the story, it's just like yeah. they sort of forgot to make the story good. <laughs> I forgot. Oops. Yeah. Robert Redford has a big sense of sadness in all of his stuff. And yeah. There's a punishing element of what happens to John Turturro and how desperate he becomes and even as when I watched it, which I granted it's probably been about 10 years. It just bummed me the fuck out, man. It really is a, it's yeah. a bummer of a movie. And um, also Michael Allhouse was the cinematographer who's worked with like Martin Scorsese and Mike Nichols and some of the bigger Michael Ballhouse stuff, like the last temptation of Christ or uh, Goodfellas or Bram Stoker's Dracula. I mean, Ballhouse is kind of a big dog particularly of the nineties and early two thousands. I think the last movie he did was the departed. So no shit. Yeah. Yeah. So as you said, it looks, I mean, I, I get it. It looks like, really good. The last movie you film, you get to shoot Martin Sheen falling out of a building. Like, why would you do anything else? I mean, it's a good one to sign off on the next movie. Now we get into more of the big, truly across the board hits, particularly in American culture that you have some people who are absurdly loyal to. There's a movie that, it's hard to find people who do not like it, but you get people like myself who are like, is it the greatest movie of all time? I don't know, but it is a movie called The Shawshank Redemption, directed by Frank Darabont, written by Stephen King. It uh, has Morgan Freeman, Tim Robbins, 
Bob Gunton, William Sadler, I mean, Clancy Brown. Yeah. It is about the prison system in America. It's about systematic racism. It's about economic disparities. Being institutionalized. Yes, yes. Andy Dufresne, Tim Robbins is sentenced to two consecutive life terms for basically murders that you're not sure he did or did not do. He claims he did not do them. So that's kind of an interesting thing that goes on throughout the movie. And you get to meet all these characters who some of them did do bad shit, like Morgan Freeman's character, but they've been in prison for years and years and years and probably have paid for their crimes and have to put up with these like horrific, terrible things happening to them. What do you think of the Shawshank Redemption, Nick? Shawshank is a perfect movie, Mm. but here's the problem with it. Schmaltz. Yeah. Frank Darabont loves Schmaltz. He loves Schmaltz. No, Frank Darabont is so much in the Schmaltz that he like bleeds matzo ball soup. It's very true. It's insane. Yes. So it's the best part of the movie and the downfall where like you have something that is literally perfect, but by the end of it, it's like, oh, I don't even like this anymore. It's so good. It's like it turns on itself. And then just like you get that last scene where they meet up again. I'm like, oh, I get it now. Like, I love this movie. But like, true. I fucking hate it. Super producer Brian Tepps brought up the fact that how cool of a period piece it is. I do like all the costumes and you get to understand a time period that no longer is anything that we've experienced. And also, I fully agree. Frank Darabont has kind of a old Hollywood sense of kind of uh, Frank Capra. The movies are very, very good, but they have that Hollywood magic to them. They have kind of the sheen. The bad characters are bad, but they're very clearly bad. And the good characters are good and they're very clearly good. But I think the Stephen King thing is nice because he always he adds a little bit of a question mark to everybody. Everybody has a complexity to them. And uh, every time it comes on, I watch the Shawshank Redemption. But I don't know. I just am. Some people are so obsessed with the goddamn Shawshank Redemption and they put it as their favorite movie of all time. And I don't know if I'm quite there. I do think it's great. You get busy living or you get busy dying. You know, that's just it's so true. You know, you pray love. Okay. It's just real. It's just real talk. I don't know. It had a great poster where Tim Robbins is in the rain, just like Jesus Christ pose. Jesus sing out in the rain. And so I remember seeing the poster and saying to myself, the fuck is this? There's nothing inherently wrong with this movie, but the fact that it doesn't make any mistakes mm. just sort of makes it an overachiever. It's It really needed to just like fuck up in the second act a little bit. So when the third act comes around, it's like, oh my God, I fucking love this. But instead, Frank Darabont is just cheesy, 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 cheesy. Rita Hayworth poster, cheesy. He crawls through a bunch of shit. He's free. They meet up. There's a boat. Brooks was here too. What the fuck ever. Like, this movie is great. I've been watching it for fucking almost 30 years. Yes. It's like almost a reverse Oreo where the middle is so schmaltzy. I don't care. I kind of agree with that. And I just want to eat the cookie. I think there's also a fun thing I have to bring up, which is sometimes movies have this element of timing to them where... When it came out, it was right at the true height of VHS. It was when Blockbuster was really going wild. VHS was in command. Everybody had a VCR in the United States. Something like 300,000 VHS copies came out. And based on kind of word of mouth and its Oscar nomination, everybody saw it. And then because of that, TNT bought the rights to it. And so they would show it on TNT over and over and over and 
there's a lot of people who I think like it's like one of the few movies they've ever seen because it was yeah. just it was no. ubiquitous. It was just everywhere. TNT has the right to two films. Yeah. Shawshank Redemption <laughs> and that one with the fucking kid who shoots his eye out with the BB gun. <laughs> Christmas story. Yes. Fuck. He shoots his dick off. I've never seen that entire movie. I don't give a shit about it. I never will. Fuck that movie and his fucking BB gun. I'm sorry you didn't get a BB gun for Christmas when you were a kid. I did get a BB gun, <laughs> but I was a fucking monster with it. <laughs> Look at this. You see this? Yes. Two eyes. <laughs> Fuck that movie. Uh, Roger Deakins, our boy, was a cinematographer, so it looks very Changed clean. my mind completely. I love this film. <laughs> Castle Rock produced it. R.I.P. R.I.P. for real. It had a budget of $25 million. Any guesses on box office? 200 it made $57 million. That makes so, sense, actually. And so, interestingly enough, decent- It was all VHS. It was all VHS, yeah. and it was all people watching it and word of mouth and it getting that. And because it got the Oscar nod for Best Picture, I think that really yeah. boosted- uh, And TNT, honestly. Yeah. Because yeah. you catch it like an hour in, you're like, oh, I'll go to fucking rent it or buy it. Yeah. I would have not seen this in theaters, and honestly- if they were showing at the music box of the Logan, I don't give a shit enough to go see it in theaters now. <laughs> Ted Turner's still alive. He would not allow that. Not Is he alive? That. Ted Turner? Yeah. No way. He's yeah. dead. No, he's like 108 years old. And no. Just drinks virgin blood. He got stabbed in the heart with a wooden stake. Listen, man, some vampires, that doesn't work. He's like a white walker. Brian he, doesn't believe you. You have to use an onyx knife. Uh, that's the trick. <laughs> Also, I will say I do like the kind of punk rockness of the story, which is often a thing in Stephen King that the man is the bad guys, always the man, a bunch of scumbags, the guys who run prisons and the congressmen and their bullshit. And uh, I do like that. I do like the kind of rebellion story of it and that people can change. People can change. They can become better people. Tim Robbins was a cad and an asshole and kind of got himself in a situation and kind of had to learn some lessons but he didn't have to learn it that hardcore. So, yeah, okay, so that's the Shawshank Redemption. The next on our list for best picture, a movie I like a lot, a movie that is, in my opinion, truly a Hollywood classic, definitely at least of the 90s. It is the Quentin Tarantino Pulp Fiction. Big Kahuna Burger, that's that Hawaiian burger joint. Nick, what do you think of Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction, for better and for worse, lives up to its reputation. Mm. Every time you watch it, you go, oh, yeah, this movie is just, like, seamless. It's perfect. Mm. It flows into each other. The stories operate on different levels. Also, just the fact that John Travolta dies because of a fucking Pop-Tart. Oh, my God. Like, it's insane. Yes. The disjointed, non-linear editing Love it. So that parts of the storyline that take place later happen in the beginning and parts that you're never sure until it happens and then your brain registers, oh, shit, this happened later. Also, Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery, which my buddy Felix, shout out to Felix, was telling me a story about how Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery have been showing up to the midnight movies of the Tarantino ones together. Uh, oh, the Beverly? In, yes, in LA. So maybe they're getting back together to write some stuff, which would also make sense of Quentin Tarantino saying that he's done with directing. Maybe he's going to work with Avery. I mean, Avery's been in jail for a while. He's had a bunch of stuff that Quentin Tarantino can steal. And I love them combining. I get worried when Tarantino loses some of his teammates, like Sally Menke 
his editor who tragically died. And then I got worried <laughs> that he was never going to have this amazing editor teammate. Again, he's taken his movies in different directions, but I remember seeing it and just being blown the fuck away. I had never seen anything like this. I still don't think I've ever seen anything like this. I bought it without seeing it. I bought it Jewel Osco. Oh, hell yeah. For $6. I literally turned to my mom because we were shopping. I go, can I get this with my allowance? She goes, sure, whatever. She buys it. We go back to the house. She goes, pop it in. They start talking about eating pussy. And I'm like, ooh. And I, she goes, pop the tape out. Watch this later. <laughs> and then I remember, like, she goes to the bed. And she goes, she goes, you stand up to watch that movie. I go, yeah. Yeah. She's like, all right, fine. Just keep the volume while your dad's weird. So I watched the movie. I'm, like, sitting a foot away from the TV on the floor. With the captioning on, the volume super low so that my parents don't hear about eating the holiest holes of the holy. <laughs> and like, I was mesmerized. It's an amazing movie. Yeah. It's otherworldly, but like at the same time, <sighs> like it's become people's Bibles mm. and it is spectacular. It's a it spectacular is. fucking movie. Yeah. But it's like the same thing with like, the flaming lips. I hate the flaming lips because of the audience. <laughs> I don't really care about the audience. I just love it. Shout out to my mom, who is a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. And even when I was a kid, when this happened, she saw it in the theater. And then immediately was like, you have to see this. And like basically like rented the movie for me when it came out. and was like, you watch this. Same thing. She was like, I'm going to work. You watch this. Yeah. Because it's amazing. And I mean, just the crazy stuff. The scene with Zed. Like, they get caught with, like, a weird sex rapist maniac cop. And then, spoiler alert, Bruce Willis could run off. He could just leave, like, Ving Rhames to die. He could do that, but he doesn't. And then the scene where he is in the pawn shop and he picks up the chainsaw and then he picks up the baseball bat and then he just sees and now we know a Hattori Hanzo sword that's like whispering at him and he's like oh yeah and then he takes the Hattori Hanzo sword and kills fucking these rapist pieces of shit I mean it's just like Tarantino like has sometimes when he's really on and particularly in this movie has this ability to tell you stories that you didn't even know that you wanted to see and then as soon as you see them you're like I did want to watch two hitmen who are friends but have kind of diametrically opposed versions of how they see the world have kind of these friend arguments all the time I did want to see that I don't know but I did I did want to see like would you give me a foot rub I got two things yeah first of all mm -hmm. the entire second middle part that was Roger Avery yeah yeah. Roger Avery always writes in male anal sex into all of his movies. Awesome. You can literally track it from Pulp Fiction. You could track it from Pulp Fiction to whatever the last thing he made was. I remember watching Killing Zoe on IFC on whatever the fuck. IFC on Bravo is a Friday night thing. It was like IFC's answer to Sundance on Showtime. So every Friday they would show a movie, but they would edit it. And I remember watching Killing Zoe and they forgot to edit it. So I'm just like, oh, that's um, Oh Girl from Before Sunrise. That's her That's her boobs. And then I was like, oh, that's that guy doing that guy in the ass. Me and my sister watching, I was like, is this happening? She goes, I don't have no idea what's going on. And then the tape stopped and the movie came back in and everything was censored. It was the weirdest fucking moment of my life. 
but so shout out to Roger Avery. He doesn't yeah. get enough credit, but also he did commit manslaughter. That is true. The other part of this is that <laughs> when I mentioned hating the audience the way I hate the audience for the flaming lips, I am just talking about Quentin Tarantino as a person. Fair. I love the guy. I do. I understand he's super polarizing. I get it. I have to toss out something also. It's like people forget this, but at the time, Bruce Willis was on a big downturn of his career. John Travolta was like non-existent in his career. People had written them off. Uma Thurman, you know, had been in some cool stuff, but was not really somebody who was like Uma Thurman yet. Samuel Jackson had been in tons of stuff, but the fact that he kind of just knew that there were all these amazing actors that you could get performances out of that nobody had tried or was willing to try in Hollywood. And I mean, just, I genuinely separate Vincent Vega and John Travolta in my mind as though they're almost like two different people. Like when you watch all the other movies that John Travolta is in and then you see him be Vincent Vega and it's just, that can't be the same guy. Like that's insane. Vincent Vega is like the coolest character ever. I mean, it's just bizarre. I don't know. Eric Stoltz is even great in it. I mean, it's crazy. It's like Eric Stoltz is great. He is, he is, but he was not funny enough for Robert Zemeckis in Back to the Future. Speaking of Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> what a transition because. God fucking damn it. As we said earlier, one of the more polarizing films in the history of time, in the history of Hollywood, it won Best Picture that year, it is the Robert Zemeckis, Tom Hanks, classic to many. It is Forrest Gump. Can't sit here. It won a lot of people, a lot of awards, made a shitload of money. Nick, what do you think about Forrest Gump? Well, I want to start off by saying I fucking hated it. I hate Haley Joel Osment. Forrest fucking Gump. This movie whitewashes history to the point where it's like a beer ad. This movie is so... Sorry, I busted up your Black Panther party. Oh, my God. It's so <laughs> racist. It is racist on racist on racist. And it also... It's so stupid. It is unbelievably fucking cheesy. Like, people talk about... And by people, I mean us, like, a few minutes ago. Talking about how schmaltzy... Oh, it's next-level schmaltz. Oh, my God. It's past schmaltz to the point where it's like, this movie is terrible. Robert Zemeckis reuses his favorite shot of women being beat up in a fucking Chevy. Like, this movie is bullshit. You have one person in this movie, like, you take your hippie character, Mm -hmm. who's a woman, and she's like, I'm free. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So what do you do? You fucking kill her with AIDS. Cool. Way to go, Robert Zemeckis. She was super into heroin. That was the part where she was like, I'm super into heroin. Yeah, so was a bunch of people I know. They're alive. And then you go and you got the military guy. They get all the second chances. You get a military guy who's black. Guess what? Bam, he's dead. There were some guys who died in Vietnam. They did die. I didn't hear about that. <laughs> all I'm saying is yes. Forrest Gump is bullshit. <laughs> to its fucking core, wow. it could go fuck itself up its own ass until it dies of dysentery. Hot take. Shout out to Christopher Walken. I have a slightly different opinion. And yeah. There are parts of Forrest Gump that I like a lot. I don't think it is the worst movie ever. I think it's. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't, No, no, no. I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. You didn't say that. That's true. But you're right. The schmaltiness. I like Zemeckis. He has a weird power to 
sort of almost conjure up memories and emotions inside of you with his movies that are your memories that then you put on to the movie. And that's something I think is one of his weird powers where some of his movies don't even really necessarily have anything to do with the movie itself. It has more about the manipulation of you as the audience member and you finding yourself caring about characters for no other reason than just music and the way that the scene is shot. And it is basically the story of the baby boomers, just all as one sort of, you know, and you're right as the great portraying everyone in the baby boomer generation as some sort of strange, great hero or something. I'm not entirely sure. (laughs) It's a very strange execution. The way that the movie was made, it was really strange. A lot of the big studio heads did not want it to be made because they were like, what is this movie? It's about a dude whose brain doesn't work all the way. And there's a crazy thing too, where I watched the thing about how the way that Tom Hanks came up with the way he talked and the whole character was that kid at the beginning who plays young Forrest Gump, that kid just talked like that. He wasn't even an actor. He just kind of, that was the way he talked. So then Tom Hanks just started behaving like that kid so that it would match up. And that's where he developed the character was that they liked this kid. I don't know. I'd always wondered where that came from. And the fact that it was sort of organic was kind of interesting to me. It looks really good. The movie looks really good. There's tons of actors I like. I mean, Tom Hanks is really great in it. Robert Wright, Sally Field, McKinney Williamson. Like, I know it's cheesy as fuck. It's next level cheese. I mean, it's cheese to a level, you know, that's insane, but I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I hate it. I know you do. I know. And I'd I, rather get kicked in the balls than watch this movie again. There's <laughs> some dope Who, ass. F- like Tim's. Mm. Tim's right to the balls. <laughs> also Zemeckis just using some. I hate Zemeckis. Some dope tunes. He's always good at finding soundtracks for his movies. That oh yeah. It's you. fucking. The thing Peter Fonda was selling right before he fucking died. Mm-hmm. The sounds of the 60s. I mean, dude, there's an element, though. It's got a certain power over the mainstream culture, over pop culture, and he manipulates you into into liking it. <laughs> or not you. But not me. No. All those people should fucking die already. They're too old. They're ruining the country. <laughs> Revolution. Doesn't start with Forrest Gump. So. Can I say something? Yes. You think Forrest Gump should have won Best Picture. I like Tom Hanks as a person. I think he's a great actor. I love a lot of his movies. I think Castaway is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it is the better, I will say this straight up, the better Zemeckis Tom Hanks team up is Castaway by a bazillion percent. It's not saying anything though, because this movie is dog shit. (laughs) It's It's like saying, oh, I liked whatever. So whatever. I'm drunk. Edit that out. <laughs> the, Leave it in. Actually. I think you're right, though, of the now this is the 60s pop hits as a movie of that goofy album you could buy online of 60s pop hits. If it was made into a movie and you had this weird character who just bumbles around living the most charmed white privileged life of all time, with the exception of that he had to go to Vietnam, which the Vietnam seeds are. He survived. He's a war hero. I know. <laughs> He got shot in the buttocks. Yeah. Get it? It's hilarious. It says buttocks. It's so funny. It's something gum up and bit me. I will say when they blow up. It wasn't AIDS because AIDS bit fucking Jenny. <laughs> but he bought Apple stock, so it's cool. Yeah. He's fine. Also, Haley Joel Osment is there. Is what? His kid. Oh, God. <laughs> I realize that. that. <laughs> I see dumb people. 
All right. Well, those are the hot takes on the best pictures of the year 1994 in 1995 when they had the ceremony. We're going to now have our drum roll. We're going to pull out our own envelopes for who we think of those five here at the Blockbuster Film School should have won. Best picture. I'm Warren Beatty. I'm going to say La La Land. Because <laughs> I don't know how to read. He revealed that he was illiterate. And they said, that's not what yeah. that says. And he says, I don't know how to read. He was Which is crazy because he wrote Bullworth. <laughs> he dictated it. Nick. <laughs> Nick. Of those five, of Four Weddings and a Funeral, directed by Duncan Kenworth, or not directed, produced by Duncan Kenworth, Quiz Show, produced by Robert Redford, Shawshank Redemption, produced by Nicky Marvin, Paul Fiction, produced by Lawrence Bender, and Forrest Gump, produced by Steve Tisch and Winnie Feinerman. What is your pick for best picture? Are you going to do Pulp Fiction? Yeah, I'm going to do Pulp Fiction. I'm going to go with uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Ooh, throwing a curveball in I there. don't want to pick the same thing as you, but at the same time, I refuse to pick Forrest Gump. <laughs> and Quiz Show is yeah. good for like half an hour. Yeah. Shawshank is super schmaltzy. It doesn't deserve the win. Shawshank has the same terrible parts as Forrest Gump, mm. but it has the balls to murder half the cast. Yes. And not just one black dude who winds up in heat. And he's the fucking coolest guy in heat. That's true. Also, he dies, Bubba dies in the arms of Nicolas Cage in Con Air. So he lives. He gets his fucking shot. Well, I'm just saying he has another feeble minded Southern man as his hero and best friend. Can we stop <laughs> typecasting? Malik Wills Wilkinson. Williamson. Williamson. Yes. Williamson. That's a good call. That's a good call. We yeah. should stop typecasting him as having to hang out with, with a bunch of weird. dumb hillbillies. <laughs> I understand those fucking America's fucked, but there's enough fucking normal people out there of all races <laughs> that he's gonna have to hang out with some dumb he doesn't have to hang out with some fucking white trash piece of shit who's <laughs> too stupid to be racist. That's all it is. Ugh. He taught Elvis how to dance, okay? He didn't teach Elvis to do shit. Uh, I saw. And also, I'm going to say this. Hugh Grant for prime minister. Thank you. Ooh, Goodbye. Hot takes. Hot takes. Be better than the one they got. So, Pulp Fiction is my best picture. I know at the time that it was just kind of the tip of the hat of Hollywood to Quentin Tarantino, a welcome to him as a director. Everyone knew it wasn't going to win. But I think even a lot of the critics and a lot of the people, it was when it came out, already regarded it as a masterpiece. And it, it truly is. It still stands up. It's still really good. Even when there's Tarantino doing tons of ecstasy and making Kill Bill and stuff and it falls apart in a bunch of places, there's still this masterclass of how to direct a movie and how to make it. I mean, the, the stuff that happens in Pulp Fiction that shouldn't be interesting, but it is like... I don't know if it's worth $5, but that's a pretty good goddamn milkshake. I mean, there's just infinitely quotable lines and the characters are all three-dimensional and everybody has this interesting life that is its own thing. Tim Roth and Honey Bunny who are robbing diners <laughs> and it's just the weirdest, coolest movie and America like doesn't even deserve it. I think it's just a quintessential LA movie. I know we're not giant fans of Harvey Keitel, but it's definitely one of the ones where it stands out, where he's the wolf, you know? Like, I assume both of you gentlemen have been to County. 
So here it comes. And he sprays them with a hose because they've accidentally shot Phil Lamar and they have blood all over them. I mean, each moment of the movie is fascinating and nuts and not what you were expecting the movie to be. Every moment links onto itself organically and wildly. And every character has their own way of speaking and their own way of behaving. And it's just, it's electric as fuck, man. And if you've never seen Pulp Fiction, then it's my thing. You have to pull your head out of your ass and you have to fucking see Pulp Fiction. Jesus Christ. I mean, what's going on? What is your life? Any other takes, Nick? Um, I hate the Flaming Lips. <laughs> I hate Pulp Fiction fans. Not you. Thank you. But like, there are people who don't think any other movie exists except mm. for Pulp Fiction. Mm. Those people are wrong. Those people are also Quentin Tarantino. What are you talking about? He thinks the other six movies exist. Or seven. Yeah, I know. But he's just like, oh, I made Pulp Fiction. That's uh-uh. true. Show me your feet. Fuck him. <laughs> I disagree. He has that a little bit of the Robert Altman thing where not every one of his movies is a masterpiece, but eventually he's going to figure out and he's going to make Inglorious Bastards. He's going to make Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's going to make these movies that are just transcendently interesting, you know? And yes, there are some people who would be like, these movies are ridiculous. They're insane, but that's what Hollywood is. And I connect very deeply to Pulp Fiction. I think it's, I think it should have won Best Picture. I definitely think it should have won Best Picture. I think it definitely, as we move along, I know there are people who are obsessed with Forrest Gump. They still are. They just made, Netflix just had the movies that made us, and they did an interesting one about Forrest Gump. I thought that documentary was more interesting than the movie Forrest Gump. But it is a good- Also 90 minutes shorter. That's true. That is definitely true. I think we agree on this, though. That's a pretty good list of Best Picture nominees in comparison to some years. I think all five of those movies are, at the very least- you know, polarizing or interesting or something about them is watchable. I don't agree. (laughs) Straight up. I think with the exception of quiz show, all four out of five of the movies, you can find people who think that's their favorite movie. I've never met anyone whose favorite movie is Forrest Gump. I super producer. Brian taps is nodding. I've definitely his favorite movie. That's his fucking fault. (laughs) It's your fault. Brian has a tattoo that says Jen. Yeah. No, (laughs) for a while I thought it was just like a Bauhaus lyric. (laughs) <laughs> you're right it's maybe not the people we know who think Forrest Gump's the greatest movie of all time but there are definitely some people who are into it racist <laughs> Nick has a much harder take on Pulp Fiction than I do I you're talking about Forrest Gump not Pulp Fiction yet no oh did I say Pulp Fiction you on, did. on Forrest Gump that's what I meant I also have I'll watch Pulp Fiction I just don't I fucking I also understand I don't watch it with anybody else your heartbreak and then you just start running you just start running for no fucking reason Trying to run away. So we did the marathon. Yeah. It's always why I'm running. What are you running from? Uh, all right, team. I think on that note, we have chosen our blockbuster film school, 1984, 1985 best picture winners. We love you very much. Please follow us on Instagram. Nick does a great job with the Instagram. Check out our website. I haven't been keeping up with it. Super producer Brian Taps has been, uh, making our website super classy and fun. So if you haven't seen our website, it's very cool. It has all of our cool links on there. So if you want to check that out, we heart you guys a lot. Everybody who listens, everybody who's listening at this point still, we really appreciate it. I know shit is weird. I know the world is weird. People are getting darker, but I appreciate everything about you guys. So we will see you guys next week. I'm Alex Bonner with super producer, Brian Tepps. And of course the intrepid Nicholas Souter. See you guys next week. And then I say something. <laughs>